this edition of Hoosology. Welcome back, co-host of the Blazers Outsiders, Danny Morang. This podcast was recorded on Thursday, November 18th, when the Blazers were 8-8. Eight eight. Danny breaks down the Neil Osage situation, why Damian Lillard struggled in the early part of the season, and what the team can do to overcome the challenges that the team faces. Get in touch with the show through Facebook and Twitter. Leave us a review on iTunes and email us at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. We are a proud member of the OTG Basketball Network. And now, Danny Morang. He is the co-host of the Blazers Outsiders. We have the pleasure of welcoming him back, Danny Morang, back onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Danny? <laughs> Not too bad, man. It's, uh, you know... A lot going on in the world, a lot going on with the Blazers. It's a little hard to figure out which one's a little funkier, but uh, thanks for having me back, man. Yeah, no problem. And I want to chop it up with you about the Trailblazers' recent game with the Bulls. That's my mm-hmm. team making a huge comeback. They had to feel good. I mean, the, the Bulls were playing great, and then they kind of fell apart. But, you know, some facing some adversity, making a comeback. I'm mm-hmm. recording this podcast for 500. What do you make of the Trailblazers so far? I know they're kind of being maligned in, in the beginning of the season in terms of what's going to happen with this team from an on-court perspective perspective but now they're if they're 500 it seems to be is there room for optimism at this point or are there a lot of weaknesses that you're like oh man just like (laughs) still a long way to go yeah i'm I'm leaning more towards the latter so as much as i want to celebrate it was it was a fun game for the second half against the bulls right gotcha uh that first half they were down what 15 i think at, at the horn at the half realistically if not for some from timely free throw shooting uh getting to the line norman powell putting on a clinic in the first half there's a good chance they're down 25, 30 points. It was, it was rough. Uh, CJ McCollum had maybe his worst professional performance as wow. a starter, uh, played 20 minutes, didn't register a counting stat outside of a foul in 20 minutes, which I mean, that's, that's not something you typically see. Um, and it's, it, if not for again, Norman Powell, Yusuf Nurkic and Larry Nance jr. Um, they're, they're looking at a weird situation, but the flip side of that is you have to give them credit because they did battle back really for the first time this year, uh, where it was fully competitive in the second half where, you know, they didn't kind of roll over and show their belly. And they did, I think they built on something they did against the Raptors. But as I look back at some of the, almost all of their wins, really, the Lakers were shorthanded. The Bulls were shorthanded. The Suns were three games in four nights tonight. The Bar Lexington me last night, the Bulls were three games in four nights in their yeah. fourth of a, of a five-game road trip. Yeah. Almost every single one of their good wins has been a either a scheduling bonus or a shorthanded team. I look at it and I go, um, yeah, this, I don't like digging into this because like the more I dig into it, the more I'm like, this doesn't look great, but that's an NBA season. Nothing's ever perfect. Perfect. So you've got to get, take some ugly wins along the way. I'm just hoping that there's a pretty win along the way where you can go, okay, there's something you can kind of look at and go, you got some guys on track. You figured some things out. Let's build from here. But with everything looming around with the O'Shea investigation, yeah. there's that kind of cloud that I think taints everything until something happens in that regard. Well, you mentioned the O'Shea investigation. So let's let's begin there. Can you kind of walk us through kind of how we, we got to this point in this mm-hmm. investigation? So casual NBA fans, it kind of came out of nowhere. But my partner, um, who, who she sounds sick, wanted to also ask, <laughs> like, is there any kind of a way to like have O'Shea like keep his job? Like, what is kind of the point of keeping him around it seems like he's a lame duck person at this point like what is kind of the hold up i guess getting rid, rid of this guy at this point moving on because there right, so, is a black crack a black cloud in this team yeah and that's the thing is um 
this isn't new in the sense of and not necessarily just kneel in the investigation, but sure. like the organization. Mm-hmm. The end of last season, a unceremonious exit in the playoffs to a shorthanded Nuggets team. Um, Terry Stotts was removed as head coach. Neil O'Shea kind of throws him under the bus, and we got that national headline of, you know, it wasn't a product of the roster, which it was a product of the roster. Um, uh, Yusuf Nurkic kind of says, you know, he was being held back by Terry Stotts, and Damian Lillard has some cryptic tweets about some Nipsey Hussle lyrics about, you know, commitment to the grind, that kind of thing. Then you've got the Chauncey Billups coaching search. You have Neil opening his mouth and inserting his foot into it multiple times throughout the summer. Um, there's the Chris Haynes articles. All of this stuff is building. Dame's addressing stuff in, in, in the media in Japan, the Olympics. And it's just like, it just didn't stop. It did, that, that train of negative momentum never really slowed down. Uh, you Then you have Chris McGowan resign officially what was the 11th but it was uh, it took place on the first within the company uh chris mcgowan is the what or me was the president on the business side of the operations and it in some reporting from jason quick here of the athletic he basically highlights that uh part of the reasoning or what sounds like a large portion of the reasoning was that um the messaging from the organization was getting tainted because neil couldn't get through a press conference without inserting his foot into his mouth. Uh, if you're a president of a, of a basketball team or any sports team, and you've got somebody who is consistently making you look bad in the national level, that impacts things on a sponsorship side. That impacts things on a, on a business relationship side of things. You, that's, that's just something you have to deal with. And that's, it's an unnecessary burden. And, and, and Chris kind of asked that somebody else be put in that place. Somebody else be the voice. Somebody else be the face of this organization. And he was rebuffed a few times, so he steps down. And that happens in the midst of the Olshay investigation. Because, again, this is painting this entire picture of, well, a disarray. And, and I think that's, that's you could say, is it from the top to the bottom? Really, since Paul Allen's passing uh, and Jody Allen came in, his sister, um, and the trust, the Paul Allen trust, that you can do an entire episode on just how the team's organized based off that. Um but long story short, um, she didn't have anything to do with the team. He passed. Now she has everything to do with the team. And in those situations, they typically don't go well. Uh, you had maybe the best owner in sports in Paul Allen going to an owner in Jody who isn't, yeah. to put it lightly. Um, and as all of this stuff trickles down, um, Neil Olshay was running an organization pretty much unchecked. Um, and so you have the, the multiple mistakes in public, uh, as far as the press conferences go, uh, throwing Terry Stotts under the bus and the coaching hire and everything else just kind of goes with that. And all of a sudden, here's the all of a sudden part. We find out on a late Friday night at 1030 that Neil O'Shea is under investigation for ho- uh, fostering a hostile and toxic workplace to anybody who has covered this team for any period of time. That wasn't shocking. Neil Olshay being an a-hole was news to nobody. There's nobody out there who was like, oh, I, I'm floored by this. If you've worked in media in this town, there is a chance that Neil Olshay has negatively impacted you. It's near 100%. It's just how it, it kind of accepted. But the timing of it was certainly strange because Chauncey Billups was just signed to a 4-1 and one coaching deal. And Neil O'Shea's deal goes through 23-24. It was signed at the same time as Terry Stotts' deal. So you start to wonder, 
And if things aren't going well and your president has just resigned on the basketball side of things, why would this happen now? Well, it probably has to do with the fact that he's got probably close to $30 million left on his deal. And they're looking for ways to get out of that money. Because if you look at how this organization has been run since Paul Allen's passing, the basketball side of things hasn't really been prioritized. It hasn't been to the point of, uh, I, I don't want to say Rockets-esque in the Tillman Fertitta sense, but um, they've skirted around the tax line. They've not made big, big moves. They've looked to cut cash flow where they can. And it would make sense that if they were going to cut bait from Neil Olshay, they would try to save that money. And so here we are being strung out now. This is, what, week three of the investigation? They've interviewed uh, current and past um, personnel with the team. They've interviewed current and past players. You've had past players and personnel come out and basically take their shots at him in, in the virtual stockade. And this is a long, drawn-out way of saying if they wanted to fire him, yeah. they could fire him. So, it, I mean, there's a neon sign, and you saw it on ESPN today from, from Woj, and I can tell you right now, uh, I have a pretty distinct uh, line to draw that where Woj is getting his information from. Uh, it's probably somebody whose name rhymes with Real Roche. Um, <laughs> so, we're stuck in this ubiquitous, weird, awful spot of not knowing what's going to happen at the top, not knowing the current state of the team or, or, or any kind of, you know, real steady hand on, on, on the franchise uh, in a transitionary period where while Damian Lillard has, has remained committed to this team, and I believe him, if he's questioning that commitment right now or if he was doing it this summer, I think it's pretty easy to understand why. Because obviously he's going to have a little bit better view of inside the team and, and, and those relationships a little bit, or I think, earlier than everybody else. So... That's a, that's the five-minute synopsis of here's the last six months in Portland, and it's not great. The fact that they are 500 is actually kind of impressive. So you brought up Damian Lillard, and I we talked to Orlando Sanchez, who's a, a sports um, anchor. Native. Shout out, Orlando. Yeah, totally cool guy. And <laughs> brought up the, the question of just, you know, Lillard leaving Portland like, you know, a year ago to be an unfathomable. He would have laughed in my face and would have asked me mm -hmm. the question. But now it's a realistic possibility. In terms of what is happening kind of on the court, he kind of take us into the mindset of what Damian's going through because a lot of his troubles to the national media is being attributed to kind of new rule set, him not adapting well. But as you mentioned, there's so much other stuff that's going on. He's a human being. He's a person. Yeah. So he's, I mean, he's not a cyborg that's not affected by what what you mentioned in the last five minutes here. So he kind of take us through what he's been going through this season. I'm sure it's been very tumultuous for him. So as much as the Neil Olshay roller coaster was there, let's go, let's take a run through the last six months for Damian Lillard. Oh. Like we said, we, we have the unceremonious exit against the Denver Nuggets. Here's his frustration. He has basically the greatest playoff performance in NBA history, and they right. lose the game to a subpar Nuggets team. Yeah. That's going to leave you feeling some kind of way. Like let, let's not get it twisted. Going for a 55 point triple double and, and, looking like that and losing a game is kind of unfathomable. And then yeah. to lose the series in that fashion. Okay. So now you, now you're frustrated and let's, let's, let's not get it twisted. He's been here for nine years. There's nobody anywhere in any market, in any profession who's like, you know what? I, I don't wonder what it's like on the other side. I don't talk to all my friends who were having fun and doing this and being successful and wonder, Hmm, what about me? Because everybody does. Everybody does it. And it's totally fair. And I wouldn't, honestly, if he didn't, I'd be kind of irritated. Like, eh, you sure about that, man? <laughs> so 
now we obviously post we we find out you know officially from Chris Haynes that he took a meeting with LeBron and AD. Um, he went to the Olympics uh, and then through all of this, so he took the meeting. He went to the Olympics. People are questioning his loyalty. People are talking about him wanting to get out. You've got the true hoop story from from Henry Abbott and um, about uh, possibly having a nuclear op- option and forcing his way out of here. Whether or not that was said or not, I, I I believe both sides in that because Henry has a great relationship with Damian Lillard's agent, the agents, the good ones. Uh, I believe there was something there, but I believe it was Dame looking because he should because he just looked at Portland and went, "You told me this was what was going to work, and it didn't work again and again and again." And so now he's dealing with this all summer long and he's dealing with COVID or not him, but the specter of COVID and, and, and operating in that world. So now he's down in Las Vegas. He's finally on the Olympic team of which he was shunned because he didn't have a swoosh on his check. He had a three stripes on his check. Like don't get it twisted. Damian Lillard should have made the Olympic team over other guys previously, but he wasn't a Nike guy. That's, that's the politics of the NBA folks. So now he's doing it. He's the leading point guard for the Olympic team. He's answering questions, and they look awful. And Dame's struggling. Oh, and by the way, he's dealing with a severe abdominal issue that he's been dealing with for the last four years. They go over there. He's fighting that. He's doing COVID protocols in Japan, fighting all these rumors, wondering where he's going to go, wondering about the team dealing with the Chauncey Billups stuff. They go over there, they win the gold medal, and people question him. Is he buying in? Is he buying in the Olympic level? He looks like he's struggling. He comes home. He gets married. Now he goes on his honeymoon. I just got married in COVID. I didn't throw a massive wedding with Snoop Dogg and every other NBA player on the face of the planet. I don't care how many people you have helping you. That's a lot, man. It is. He gets that. He gets into camp, and then they come out in the preseason, and they suck. They were bad. They looked awful. <laughs> he, you know, they, they asked him, you know, uh, uh, with Team USA in Las Vegas, are you happy after free agency? And he's like, yeah, sure. You know, like, um, haven't really looked that much at the roster. Like, you haven't looked much at the roster, really? Like, it was a very political answer of way of saying, yeah, they didn't do a damn thing. <laughs> so, opening night, he goes out there and dresses as a crowd. And instead of the, I love you, Rip City. Uh, Let's do this together. The speech was some form of, hey, this is going to be rough, y'all. Please stick with us. Oh, boy. (laughs) So, like, that was, when he did that, I was like, oh, no. Oh, 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 no. And the vibes really until the last couple games with this team have been bad. Like, they just haven't been a joyful team. They aren't a good watch. And that's that's a a strange thing for a Damian Lillard-led team. And he's been struggling. And he's been dealing with the ab thing, and he fought, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then it was like, yeah, no, I'm dealing with the abs. Like, yeah, no kidding, dude. You you got rim-checked on multiple dunk attempts. You're one of the most explosive guards in the league, and you couldn't clear Andre Drummond. Yeah. So all of this, again, this is a long, drawn-out way of saying it has been a lot in Portland over the last six months. Do I think that he would consider leaving this organization? Yes. Do I think he has considered leaving it? Yes. Do I think it's ever going to happen this season? No. He's never going to do that unless something wild happens. But at the end of the season, if things are still tumultuous, if ownership is still in a shaky place, if the new GM, if Neil O'Shea is replaced, or hell, if he's not replaced, comes in uh, or doesn't come in, 
I could see him very well forcing things, you know, to go a certain way this summer because guess what he would have done? He would have given this organization 10 years to figure it out. And I wouldn't be mad at him. I wouldn't. Do you think with, with Lillard, a lot of the attribution to his struggles have been because of the rules change? Is that kind of mm. like a myth, do you think, based on what she just ran down? Is yeah. That just, what do you I think, think about it? I think it's like you can sprinkle that on. Okay. Like, it's just, you can go, okay. Yeah, it's a little sprinkle. Because here's the thing. Dame is six foot one, but Dame is also 220 pounds. He mm. plays physical going at the rim. He does. Did, does he foul hunt? Yeah, but did he foul hunt like Trey and, and Harden? No, his his foul hunting or his his free throw hunting was the come off the pick, pull up, stop, like get a guy to run into you. That's mm-hmm. that's not the rule change. That's he's still driving it in the, I think the 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 difference this year as far as him getting to the line has been a league wide change of how physical they're allowing, particularly bigs, yeah. to be around the rim. It's not the light changes and the hand checking and you know, more physical at the point of attack. For me, it's the stuff that they're allowing under the rim, which we're seeing some ebb and flow here as we get a little bit more into the season where they're starting to call a little bit more, which eh, I kind of like the way they were calling things. I'll be honest, Mm -hmm. but um, I I watched a game the other night. Was it the Raptors? I think it was the Raptors game. Okay. He finished with one free throw. Wow. And and it was a technical (laughs) free throw. And you're telling me that a team full of six, eight guys, didn't foul Damian Lillard on a single drive once <laughs> a guy who's like a top five drives per game guy for the last seven years. So I think there's certainly some changes. I think there's maybe some adjustment in that regard, but most of his shooting woes and his lack of burst. I, I look at his, his abdomen. I look at his inability to create space because he's not taking the, the FU threes. He's not taking those because he doesn't have the strength. Mm-hmm. That 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 is the biggest indicator there is because this is a guy who can who has some of the best acceleration and deceleration in the entire world. That hasn't been on display this year. You can talk about rule changes and all that kind of stuff, but he isn't starting, stopping, pulling up from thirty five like it's nothing because he doesn't have that ability to right now. Um, I've I've been a, a big proponent of shutting him down for a couple weeks to figure it out. I'm about to ask you that, yep. Yeah, they they've they've dabbled in it. He's been okay. questionable now. They've, they've taken one game off. He ended up getting a couple of days. He's been questionable the last couple of games. I've talked to some people around him. Um, like they, they flirted with a surgery option in the summer, but he was going to miss time because of how comp- – and that's the other thing. Damian Lillard has been playing basketball for two years of just go, 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 and he has not missed time. Like the guy is a machine. Like they, Braun took the summer off. You know, he, he wasn't an Olympian. You look at the guys that have really been going hard – for the last two years, his usage is one of the highest in the world as far as time and games. And so I think there's some, there's an element of that catching up to it and that, and he doesn't, he needs to take time for his own good. And he's just too stubborn. Does it, that's just the reason he's just too stubborn because he's, you know, he is, he is, he is too stubborn to take time off because he got to the NBA this way and he is going to do it this way. And the fact that he took the one game off, I was told was because Chauncey Billups was like, Man, you can't do this to yourself in November. You will not be good to go in in March, April, May when it matters. So you need to. So I think they should shut him down for two weeks. Let him let him go between now and the beginning of December. Like let him go Thanksgiving, family it up, chill, get whatever you can right. Because the couple games that they may or may not drop between now and then, 
as impactful as they're going to be, they're not going to matter if he can't go post-March. Well, it's the long game, too, in terms of the rest of his career, especially all the turmoil. I think he would appreciate the break, especially on court and off court. <laughs> yeah, because that's the other thing is he does go off court all the time. He's always doing something for yeah. Adidas, for his charity, uh, for there's a, there's a local group as a respect campaign where he lo- helps uh, inner city high schools and, and promotes like, you know, three, four hundred kids at a time to go to games and. Uh, you know, gives them backpacks and money and scholarships. I mean, he, the, the guy just goes, he is just a monster with when it comes to work. And it's like easy, you know, just pull the reins back, buddy. Like I, I, everybody wants to talk about how much guys are grinders. It's just one of those things where it's like, it's okay to take a step. Hell, I don't have that guy's workload. I'm looking like, you know what? I need to take a little step back and I'm not traveling the world as a, one of the most popular NBA players on the planet. So I th- I know he's banged up, but mentally, physically, emotionally, I think it's a combination of all that stuff. And you can use the outside precursors like rule changes and uh, travel and all those other things that kind of factor into it. But I think the the big core of it is just like a mental, emotional, physical combination of the past six months. What do you make of Chauncey Bellup's performance this season? You mentioned that they're a Nate. Is he a big attributor to that? Just, just in terms of this team going through a lot of turmoil, how has this role, you know, coaching this team, how much of, you know, his guy has been a factor. Cause I know there's been some, some, there's a lot of people skeptical about being, being the leader of this team, especially with all the talent on it. And, you know, Chauncey Bellup's not being a head coach. So what do you make of his performance so far? I know it's extremely early. Yeah, it is early, but part of it for me is, I don't believe coaching impacts the game on a level that I think a lot of people do. I am, I am very heavily Jimmy's and Joe's over X's and O's like either have dudes or you don't. Um, Luke Walton won what? 26 straight games with the Warriors. He struggles to win 26 total games a season with the Kings. So it's, you know, everybody points to Tom Thibodeau and the magic he is working with the Knicks. And I'm like, did the Timberwolves seasons not exist? Or it's, if you don't have dudes, you don't have dudes. Um, I don't think the, the bad vibes stuff with the team has anything really to do with Chauncey. And I think it has more to do with the continuity of the team's foundation. That being Damian Lloyd, CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, the same issues, the same problems. It's like working somewhere with the same boss and telling that boss, this is happening again. And then it just six years later, why are we still dealing with this same problem? Which is they don't have size. They don't have additional playmaking. They don't play defense. Rinse and repeat over and over and over again. And as much as I like Larry Nance Jr. I love Anthony Simons and this Sierra Little. Like those three guys have been like the, the, the silver lining for the season for me. Guys are just tired of the same old, same old. And I, I think whether it's Terry Stotts, whether it's Chauncey Bellops, whether it's Greg Popovich, it wasn't going to matter. Yeah, it Change needed to come from the personnel side. Then you can maybe just, I, for the most part, I think Chauncey has hit the right notes as far as substitution patterns, saying the right things in the media. He's talked a lot about accountability. Um, he's yanked some guys and, and, you know, as far as like their minutes, use of Nurkic kind of, through a little bit of a hissy fit and he had his minutes kind of shut down a little bit. Um, Robert Covington started off pretty bad and it looks like there's a strong possibility that he gets replaced in the starting lineup by Larry Nance Jr. So I think for the most part, he's, he's kind of managed the minute stuff. Well, which, you know, that's what coaches do. I think that's the most impactful thing is they decide who plays with who, when and I think that's in that part of it. I think he's been willing to experiment. 
He's been willing to try some things, to do things a little bit differently, um, to give some younger guys some opportunities to. But the flip side is he made, and Neil Olshay made a lot of promises to Norman Powell wanted more touches. Yusuf Nurkic wanted more touches. Robert Covington, who's also in a contract here, wanted more touches and more involvement. Anthony Simons is in a contract here, going to be an RFA. He wants more touches and more uh, responsibility. Nasir Little wants more touches and more responsibility. And guess what they did? They told everybody yes. So there's going to be a squeeze somewhere. So on some nights, you've seen some frustrations from Robert Covington because CJ McCollum's sitting there going, I make $30 million a year, dude. These are my touches. Yusuf Nurkic is like, I want my contract. Where are my touches? And you see some pouting and some frustrations and some things that you've seen out in social media or may not have seen in social media, some cryptic tweets from Nurk who, um, or liking posts on Instagram in Bosnia that are saying that he should get out of Portland, which NBA players, for the love of God, stop liking IG posts. Right. Everybody's watching. <laughs> Everybody sees it. Um, so you've got these promises that are made in, when you've got that many promises, something's got to give. And everybody's like, oh, it's easy to just say no. It's like anybody who's ever actually been around the NBA, politicking and all that kind of stuff, you, you make promises that you don't keep. Teams and organizations and agents, you start getting a reputation. And then, you you know, you got guys who don't want to go somewhere because you don't honor the things you say you're going to do. And as much as winning ultimately comes down to defining everything, that's not always the case in the NBA. Taking care of guys the right way. Yeah. Um, perfect example, DeAndre Ayton, a guy who sacrificed for the team and had his stats suffer and the Suns make the finals. And then he's being told, yeah, we'll, we'll take care of you. Well, come contract time, they didn't take care of him. Nope. So if, and if, if you wonder why the Suns maybe looked a little funky to start the season, I would probably point pretty strongly to that. So, and I, and I think that's something where you look at around the league, Bad organizations make bad decisions when it comes to personnel stuff and the stuff behind the scenes. And I think that's another thing that's kind of put the Blazers on some shaky ground is guys were given green lights or promises that they probably shouldn't have been given. Is it frustrating for you, Danny? This must be like, you must be like just pulling your hair out just in terms of the, the last few years in terms of this, the way the league has been, how like it's wide open for anybody to win the championship. And yet this Portland, you know, just can't put it together because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm tempted like every year just to be like, man, the trailblazers are just going to figure it out. <laughs> it's just with Damian Lillard because I think he's just so mm-hmm. awesome. And it's just, I just think, where's, where's the point where all that frustration just kind of blows up at this point? Even with yourself just as, as a fan, as somebody who tracks this team, in terms of the fan base itself, it's just mm-hmm. like, even because you, you see the West and you see, you know, the, your casual fans just being like the Lakers where they win the title, and it's clearly not the case of them struggling. And it's just year. so it's so wide open. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's right there. And it's just like, all these things just keep coming up. I, I, if I was in your position, I just... I'd just be so frustrated. Just be beyond imagine. It's just everything going on. It's the talent on this team and not being able to just, just to put it together just for a cohesive run. This seeing with the Suns and just even the East with the Bucks mm-hmm. and just seeing like all these teams being able to like come together and like the Portland Trailblazers just they just can't get there. It's the meme of the guy out by himself alone on the swing. You know, it's it's why not us? You know, kind of a situation and. This isn't to like toot my own horn. If I did, I'd have one of those giant like Ricola Viking horns. Um, but if I did, it would it would be like you should have traded CJ five years ago. 
which is the, the the horn that I've been blowing since day one, since LaMarcus left. And I was like, listen, CJ had a great series against Memphis when you know, LaMarcus was still here. It was like, you could capitalize on that. That's that's a, it's a good guard, some good trade capital. Your your franchise player and LaMarcus Aldridge is gone. Maybe hit a hard reset button, and they didn't. And I've heard of more than enough opportunities that CJ McCollum has um, or should have been moved for. Um, the James Harden deal, I know CJ McCollum was placed on the table for, uh, but Neil O'Shea was, was reluctant to pull a trigger, even if, if Houston did want that because he couldn't get James Harden to commit to an extension. Look at the Nets. He hasn't committed to an extension there either. They still were willing to make that move. You could have paired James Harden with Damian Lillard. Probably the two best on-ball isolation scorers yeah. in the NBA over the last decade you could have had together. That's terrifying. Yeah. You just figure you you take two years and you figure it out. You yeah. just you do. <sighs> so, Paul George was on the table. Jimmy right. Butler was on the table. You had all of these like apex wings that have moved teams where Portland just won't do it. You look at um. Uh, last year or two or a year and a half ago. I like Robert Covington. I think he's a good player. I, I would rather have seen Aaron Gordon and Aaron Gordon was on the table. And for what I've been told, Damian Lillard wanted Aaron Gordon. No. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you, you just look at all these times where they've had these opportunities where Yusuf Nurkic is a good player, but he's have, you know, prone to lapses and, injury prone and it's one of those things like ah, that doesn't really make sense and then you look at oh we have the full commitment of ownership and do you because if you did you'd make a big swing haven't haven't seen a single big swing neil olshay has not made a single big swing in a decade think of a single gm who has worked for more than seven years in this league that has not made a wow trade no, there's not there's yeah, not one that's true there isn't one it's it's not there. You can look at the Jazz, the 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 young plucky build from scratch Jazz, Mike Conley. Mm -hmm. Did anybody see that deal coming? Mm -hmm. No. the The Thunder have gone through three yep. iterations. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Like the, every single organization, as, as much as they want to, we've been to the playoffs eight straight years. Eight straight years. That's the way they keep touting over and over and over again. At some point, you're like. Listen, just because you showed up doesn't mean it's good enough. And that's, I think part of that is the market. I, mean, I think part of that is, is that Neil O'Shea just likes to be able to put another notch up on the, on the ceiling and said, I did it. And I think that's where, the, for me, if, if, if I'm GM Danny Meringue, my thought process is this. If you aren't building towards a title, you should be tearing down from one. There should, you don't ever want that plateau. You want to be building up or tearing down. If you can keep that upward trend going, great. Listen, the one time you can plateau is when you're the San Antonio Spurs. Yep. When you've got multiple generational Hall of Famers, you can plateau because your plateau is title contender. Yep. That's when you can do it. Otherwise, tear it down. That in-between stuff, man. Everyone's like, well, what if they become the Jailblazers again? I'm like, they became the Jailblazers because they had zero commitment to the team. Not because they were messing things up. They tore it all down. But they didn't commit to building it back up. 
And I think that's the way you you have to approach this. And so if you've got Damian Lillard, they should be building. They should be taking a big swing. Everybody on the roster should be made available sans Damian Lillard. And if that's not the case, then maybe you should look at trading Damian Lillard. I am not advocating that, by the way. <laughs> Just don't get it twisted. But that's the mindset of like, if you're not going to commit with him, what are you doing? If, if not with your best player in franchise history, then when are you going to do it? And I, that's, that's for me, when you talk about that frustration, that's what it is. Because the best player Damian Lillard has ever played with is LaMarcus Aldridge. And he has not been here for six years. Yeah. Well, Dan, thank you. I I told totally, I feel yeah because I think just being like a Bulls fan up until recently, before the previous regime, you're you're, you're getting yeah. chances though. Just there, but yes, there... there have been chances for sure. But just there's that there's that span where it's just because I even remember Tony Snow. He he went to the University <laughs> of New Mexico, and I remember it was Christmas, and I think it was. Uh, John Paxson was just saying like horrible things about him. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what do you mean? This is one of your players on your team. And I, I get your frustration because I feel like that was kind of Chicago is going to a lesser degree. Um, very kind of similar to you know, incompetence in terms of running the team. And now I, you I, have somebody in place yeah, though. Who exactly. Is, who's taking those swings. Exactly. You bring right. in Eversley. You exactly. Bring in right. AK, who's yep. like, listen, we're going to have a better relationship with our players. We're yep. going to have a better relationship with agents and, and other people around the league. And we're going to bring in guys that we believe in. And even if the bulls aren't a title contender, you know what they did? They're building towards something. And exactly. if this iteration doesn't work, They've got Levine, they've got yep. DeRozan, they've got Vucevic, and they can sell those guys off, exactly. and they can tear it down to the studs, and they'll get a decent hole. Yeah. This rebuild. Yep, you're, you're exactly right. They're, they're yeah. in an okay place even having to give up draft capital Agreed. For, in some of these deals. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I, I hope there's a brighter days ahead <laughs> in Portland <laughs> because I think y'all deserve it <laughs> for sure. Uh, Danny, thank you very much for coming on to the show. Can you let our audience know where you can find you on social media, where you can catch your podcast, your YouTube channel, everything else you're working on as well? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Danny Morang. And as of recording, let's let's go ahead and click the magic button. Maybe I'll, I'll get a little a little live reaction. There it is, folks. There we go. I just eclipsed 2,000 subscribers on nice. the channel. We're chasing it a little bit. Uh, we got we got a plug from Nasir Little's dad earlier today to, to help kind of grow the channel. Uh, it's the Jacked Ramsey's podcast. We do live pre- and post-game shows with my co-host, uh, Brandon Sprague, who does radio here locally. Um, we do that. And then we also have uh, player interviews and uh, all the things that I used to do basically on the TV side of things, but that I no longer do on the TV side of things. I, I have more control of it now. So, um but yeah, you can find me on social media at Danny Morang, and then I should still do uh, contributing stuff uh, as an analyst for Blazers Edge. So uh, I'm very, very busy. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, appreciate the time. Awesome chat as always. Thank you very much for coming on to the show. Yeah, anytime, buddy. Take care. You too.